everyone, and welcome along to the latest edition of the Bet It Right show in conjunction with Bet It Right. We are industry leaders regarding football data, and I am delighted to say that once again we will have a full preview of some of the key fixtures coming your way this weekend. Make sure you like, subscribe, tell your mates about Bet It Right. Uh, com because it will help you bet better. As always, Dean Selvey, who has been in red-hot form, is alongside me to look ahead to this weekend's game. We'll head into the kit room, the tactics room, our regular strands. And um, Dean, well done. You, you keep firing in the winners. You're, you're gaining thousands of new followers by the minute uh, <laughs> and unsurprising. Um, before we look ahead to this weekend's fixtures, as I say, firstly, well done for, for more winners on the Bet It Right show. Um, Thanks, tremendous mate. work, as always, patting himself on the back. Yeah, um, my crocodile clap, my ketchup bottle and my, yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk, before we talk about this weekend's fixtures, what happened to PSG? How did they throw that away? Uh, it's Pochettino's infected them with Spursiness. <laughs> Well, actually, it's more PSG-ness, though, isn't it? After the whole Barcelona debacle a few years ago. But it's similar to Man United, and we talked about them last week. You know, they've thrown all these players in. They've got all these players in on free transfers. Sergio Ramos has been injured, obviously. They've got Donnarumma, and Calo Navas isn't happy. And they've got Wijnaldum, and he's not even in the team. And then you've got Messi just jogging around, and Neymar looks just a shell of the player that he was two years ago. And then you've got Kylian Mbappe, who's just... I mean, unbelievable, but it's just not a team, is it? It really just isn't a team. Mm. Um, Benzema, a hat-trick from him. Oh. He was exceptional. Vinicius was very good. Um, they're a decent side, Real Madrid. Do, do you think they will be troubling the, the cities and the Liverpools of this world later on? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. The first leg just exp- showed their limitations and Vinicius can be really hot and cold. The, the age of the team, can they get through all of the games? Tony Cruz is struggling last night with a bit of an injury. Luka Modric, 36, but last night running around like a 10-year-old. Just unbelievable what a player he, he was last night, what a player he's been for so long. I just don't know whether they've got enough to get them get themselves over the line when it comes into kind of games against City. But last night was just an amazing spectacle. You know, we shouted the game up last week. I called PSG draw no bet and the overs. Obviously, the overs copped. PSG looked like it was home and dry, and then Donnarumma just decided to play 1v1 in his own box, which, I mean, how do you price that in to, to, to the game, thinking he's going to do that? But an amazing game. What a game. It, yeah, it really was a, a brilliant spectacle, as was seeing Scott Carson come on for Man City. Loved that. <laughs> that's, that that's just perfect, right? Just finish his career, just come on in the Champions League. I mean, what a moment. I, I, I was looking at Twitter to see what was you know, what was trending and stuff during the game last night. And if people were talking about Mbappe or people were talking about this, that and the other. And I just Scott kept Carson. seeing Scott Carson pop up. And I was yeah, like, yeah, quite right. What's going on? Was it you but, telling yeah. me that he's like unbelievably like, like him and Edison are like so, so close. They're like best, best mates. I mean, obviously part of the goalkeeping squad at City, but it's like an yeah, unlikely friendship, isn't it? But the ability to do that in a, in a game like that, Champions League, that just that's just a brilliant moment for him. And, you know, Man City march on. I don't think he'll be in goal for the next the next round. <laughs> uh, we march on. We march on to the kit room. You're going to take your kit off for us, Dean. I am. I'm going to take my kit off. I'm going to get my kit on. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. These are, the, you know, the messages that I get. Maybe one week you'll see a, a smart transition like in Fight Club where they, you know. But for this week, the kit 
big reveal right now is here. And here we have it. This is our shirt for this week. Another cracker. Although I'm not sure about Elite Sportsman and, and KFC, but this is our shirt from our friends at Surprise Shirts for the week. And I have a lovely shirt, Ollie. What do you reckon? Uh, I like it. There's plenty of clues on there. Um, <laughs> so, I'll, give, so give, I'll give you a few more. Yeah, uh, what do they say in the box. Well, I've, I've taken the box and I've added a couple just to try and make it a little bit, well, not harder, but a little bit more information. Um, they founded 17 years ago, so a new club. This is the 2021 shirt. They share their ground with a rival club and they wore this shirt when they finished bottom of the league and it only returned 19 points from 26 games, which is kind of, I guess I feel kind of at home saying those statistics now, what with Everton and everything, and it's blue. Um, but yeah, this is our shirt from our friends at Surprise Shirts. And just to remind everybody and all the listeners that bet it right, that you can go onto their socials, surpriseshirts.co.uk on the websites, at Surprise Shirts on Twitter, and surprise underscore shirts on Instagram. And if you have like this shirt, is a rival shirt. So when you go on there, because they deliver surprise shirts, you're not sure what you're going to get. You can actually tell them, you know, countries or regions of clubs that you don't want to receive. So that say if you're a Man United fan and you go on surprise shirts and you buy a shirt and suddenly a Man City shirt turns up, that won't happen. So that's another great feature from the guys at Surprise Shirts. And another cracking shirt that I'm looking forward to wearing for the rest of the show. All right, looking good on you. Uh, if you if you know the shirt, um, the team that Dean is wearing, uh, put your answer in the comments on the YouTube um, on the YouTube show underneath the YouTube show, and uh, the fastest finger first there, um, we will give a shout out to next week. So good luck. As I say, I think it's a, an, an easier one, certainly than the first one, which was very hard. But um, but I'm very sure hard to what? guess. Right. Very hard to guess or very hard to say, Ollie. Everything. <laughs> the whole the whole shebang. Um, it would have taken me a long time to pronounce it and guess it. So anyway, um, all right, good stuff from the from the kit room. Should we go to the tactics room? What have you got for us this week, mate? Let's do it. We're going to have a look at our friends again over at the Olympic Stadium, uh, West Ham against Villa. A massive game. Purely off the back of the fact that West Ham are having a little bit of a wobble. Villa found their feet again in the last couple of weeks. Both, both teams have games tonight. So West Ham, a massive game in the Europa League, away at Sevilla. And Villa are away to Leeds tonight in the Premier League. Sevilla, perennial Europa League winners. So it's going to be a really tough game for West Ham there tonight, especially given that they've got a small squad. Now, they're coming off the back of the 3-1 defeat to Southampton in the FA Cup and the 1-0 defeat to Liverpool, whereas... Villa are coming off the win against uh, Brighton 2-0 and then the win at the weekend against Southampton where they looked amazing in, uh, against Southampton. Trying to get Ings, Watkins and Coutinho in the team and now Steven Gerrard has achieved it. So those are the things that I want to talk about because people are kind of raving about Villa after the Southampton game, saying that they're looking, oh, you know, Steven, he's got the team now, he's got the right formation. Digne will be back from COVID at left back. You know, Matty Cash was amazing at right back. And I think people might get a little bit carried away. And here's why. So first things first, they've changed to the four diamond two and they want Coutinho to operate at the top, in between and behind opposition centre midfield with the two centre forwards working together. And that worked really well against Southampton. 
Now, the reason for that is that Southampton play a very narrow 4-2-2-2, which allowed Coutinho to play in between the lines and it allowed Matty Cash, Ashley Young played left back, not so much, but Matty Cash to release from right back and exploit that huge amount of space that was left by the, the narrow Southampton shape. Now, also in that game, you've got Jack Stevens playing left-sided centre-half. Now, he struggles with mobility, he struggles out of possession with his positioning, and he was exploited in that game. Now, if you compare that against the tactics that they will likely face against West Ham, West Ham will probably play a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, so that will become a 4-5-1 out of possession, which will give them extra cover in the wide areas, so that space won't be there. Now remove Jack Stevens, put Zuma in. Again, a better centre-half. Also, Will, I think Declan Rice may be given a little job to guard Coutinho in the pocket and to stop him playing. And that right side that they liked to expose through cash, you've got Tyrone Mings releasing there from left-sided centre-half, much better on the cover than the right side of the uh, Villa defensive back four. So I think that kind of taking that performance against Southampton and just saying, right, it's automatically going to be the same against West Ham is definitely not the case. And another thing in this game, West Ham play a lot better when they have a lot of possession. Uh, sorry, when the opposition have possession, they can counter-attack. And in this game, it's going to be one where they may share possession, Villa may sit in. So there's there's a lot of tactical battles in this game that, that will actually impact how the game flow will go. And when you look at West Ham recently, their attacking metrics are down, their defending metrics are up. And Villa only had 35% possession in their games against Brighton and Southampton. So I think this is a game where actually Gerard will sit in again, allow West Ham to have the ball, prevent them from counter-attacking like we talked about last week against Liverpool. So this could be a game where really people go, oh, wow, Villa, they're back. They've got Ings, they've got Watkins, Coutinho's playing well. Let's lump on Villa. And I'm saying to everybody, ho, ho, wait. Wait for the games tonight. West Ham have a small squad. There may be rotations. There may not. Injuries may come out of this severe game. And I do think it's a game where you're going to have to wait for the teams and look at that formation and see how the matchups are. But the bet for me in this game potential is going to be Villa on a plus handicap, but only if it's available closer to plus a half. I do think this is going to be a game, most likely a draw, and it could be one with very few goals where the teams cancel each other out in those areas. Not going to be as open as Southampton, but if you can get Villa on plus a half, that would be my bet. Plus a quarter if you want lower odds, but that's going to be probably down in your early 1.7s. The focus game for us in the Premier League is going to be United against Spurs. And there, I mean, there's so much to talk about here. Um, where do we start, Dean? <laughs> well, I think, well, given that we talked about last night, you know, it, does that mean Pochettino now becomes the next Man United boss? You know, will he get the sack this week? Would you want him at United? Well, everyone's saying about, you know, what he's done at PSG, but I think it's more the personnel. He did, you know, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes there. Did he want all those players? Did he go out and say, oh, please give me Messi? Please give me Sergio Ramos? You don't know. It may be that they wanted those marquee signings to, to be able to sell shirts, to be able to be this powerhouse. And maybe actually he, doesn't, he didn't want them. So you never know. And you think back to when he had Spurs playing their best football. They were an outstanding team. They didn't quite get across the line, hence the Spursy tag that we talked about. But again, you know, what, what other options are out there? And we'll talk to, about Chelsea a little bit later in our, in our Champions League preview. But there's also word on the street that maybe Tuchel wants to jump ship at Chelsea. 
Well, yeah, there's plenty to discuss at Chelsea, um, <laughs> given the sanctions that have been imposed, which we'll talk about, as Dean says, when we get to the um, to the Champions League preview for next week. Ten Hag's been talked about. Apparently, he's been having English lessons and things like that. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, but I mean, when you look at what Tottenham did against Everton, I, I kind of get the impression that Tottenham are like an inconsistent racehorse. Um, you know, they'll they'll put in a performance that can be Group One class, deemed as Group One class, as we saw against City when they set up well and took advantage of their opportunities, and then they go to to Burnley and it doesn't click, and then they come back and they they rout Everton, who, who didn't set up particularly well against them, but yeah. So, so is that what you're seeing with the data? Is it roll a dice and see which Tottenham turn up? Yeah, for Tottenham, it's really about what the what the opposition do. If the opposition come out like Everton did, try and press, play a high line, leave big spaces, City on the front foot, controlling the possession, giving them space to play behind. If Tottenham can counter-attack, then they are a top, top team. And United are under pressure here. You know, we've got the whole news about Ronaldo. Supposedly, it was his hip flexor. Then he doesn't sit on the bench against City, goes back to Portugal instead of staying with the team. That doesn't sound like a hip flexor to me. And obviously you've got these kind of rumblings about who's going to be the next manager. So there's lots underneath the surface there. Conte was shouted up as a potential manager, but then supposedly the feedback that they got from Chelsea about him was negative. So they went, so he, he, he ended up then going to Spurs. But with Spurs, it really is about the opposition. Now, the reason I liked this game and this matchup to have a chat with our users about is, you know, Man United are in fifth, Spurs are in seventh. Two point difference. There's one point between them and Arsenal in the fourth spot for the Champions League. So the league is really hotting up underneath City and Liverpool. It's going to be a really exciting finish to the season. And Man United, after that, mauling at City, you know, losing, at, uh, drawing at home to Watford 0-0, a game that we previewed and Watford on the plus handicap there. And obviously they play Atletico Madrid on Tuesday in that massive game in the Champions League, whereas Spurs will be on the training ground, they'll be resting, they'll be getting ready for the game. So I think United coming here with huge pressure at Old Trafford. And when I look at the two centre-halves, we talked about it last week uh, uh, when we did the City game, you know, can Maguire, can Lindelof, can Varane defend against top, top players? And we saw against Manchester City that Spurs on the counter-attack are good enough to, to remove even the best centre-halves in the world. And Maguire, Lindelof and Varane definitely don't fall into that category. So I think here, Spurs, if they go aggressive, if they go with that 3-5, more that 3-5-2 they did against Liverpool earlier in the season after that small rest where they went really aggressive, looked to break quickly, it could be a really tough game for United. And the real reason that I wanted to talk about this game is I was just so shocked at the price that is available on Spurs. Now, there's a few ways that you can look at this. If you want to be really conservative, you could take Spurs plus a half. And if they get a draw, you're, you're taking home 1.79 of the odds there. Now, 0. Uh, plus a quarter, so we're looking at that half if there's a, you know, if there's a, 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 a draw there, is 2.08. And I was thinking, this can't be right. Draw no bet is 2.43. And Spurs to win is 3.5. And I'm thinking, I know you said that they're a little bit like a, kind of an inconsistent racehorse, but just with everything going on at United, a game extra at Madrid... Spurs' quality on the counter-attack, United not being able to defend at all. I think Spurs are massive, massive odds in this game. And I think that you should just people should go all out and just go Spurs to win, take the big odds at 3.5 and see if they can fill their pockets with money. 
Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, Spurs. I, I, when you said that, I'm surprised they're as big as they are. Um, yeah, even a draw, no bet. You know, if you if you're thinking, oh, no, don't. Yeah, it could be a draw. You know, United could come in and tuck in and just try and get through the game after having a difficult midweek. Still at two point four. Was two point four eight? Two point four three. Two point four three on a draw, no bet. But near enough six to four. I mean, yeah, surprising. Yeah, massively surprising. And as long as the formation is right and Tottenham put their more aggressive players in and. It looks like Kulusevski's filled the, the gap by Lucas Moura really well with Son and Kane. If you get them running against, you know, if Son is paired up against Harry Maguire, I think, you know, there's massive problems there 1v1. If he can do it against Manchester City, then he's definitely going to do it against Manchester United. I heard an interview with Trent, actually, Trent Alexander-Arnold. He said, if you had an unlimited budget and you could buy two players from the Premier League, who would it be? And the first person he said was Son. That's who he'd go for. When you think he's one got- of those players. He's almost quite... I hate to say the phrase kind of old school, but we're in a gate. We're in in 2022 now, and it's been the same for four or five years. We're in a very much a possession orientated Premier League. The teams that keep the ball better, the teams that can empty and fill, the teams that can rotate positions, the teams that are tactically very astute and can manage the game. One of the teams that tend to win more games, but then you've got those really explosive, explosive players going back to the old kind of wingers, your Salas. And your sons, and when he gets, when he's running at you at full speed with the ball at his feet, or looking to get in behind, he's just so dynamic and so difficult to to defend. And he and he seems like just a, a thoroughly lovely chap as well, which always makes it a lot easier to like him. Unlike the majority of the PSG squad, might I add. <laughs> you really hate the PSG squad, don't you? <laughs> well, I just like last night. All they do is crowd the ref. They dive. Obviously, Neymar is kind of. Just the biggest exponent of that ever. Messi just trotting around, kind of looking like he's a bit lost. Uh, and then every single tackle, Paredes, Verratti, if Di Maria plays, um, Kimpembe, they're all just there around the referee all the time, all the time. It's just like, oh, look, you've spent however many millions and you're still losing. Just just go away. Like, let someone else play. You know, play like uh, Modric. Play like Modric. Just smile on your face, running around. That little double turn on the edge of the box against Verratti right at the end, just oh, just absolute dream. Be more Modric. That's a lesson. If if, um, hey, if be you're more Modric, yeah, thirty six years old and just trotting around the pitch, having a great time. I mean, it's brilliant. I know this is a global podcast, so there is a chance that, that Neymar is getting this translated for him and tuning in. So if you are oh, listening, absolutely, he's definitely watching. But he, I was talking to a few people about him today. I was shocked at his performance last night. When he used to get in those little pockets in the final third and face defenders up, he would just be tricks and one versus one and so difficult to defend and would be drawing all those fouls. Last night, he'd get the ball in that position, he'd turn around, he'd just pass backwards and walk off 10 steps. And it was just really bizarre to watch. And he seems like he's going to become another Brazilian that was ultra talented in their early to mid-20s who almost disappears from the game before he's 30. Your Alexandra Patos, your Kakas, um, you know, your Ronaldinho's. Original Ronaldo, a little bit different because of his knee problems. But a lot of these players, you know, they they just don't do it into their early 30s. Spurs is the bet in the Premier League, according to Dean Selvey on this week's edition of the Bet It Right Show. You're going to take us to to Europe now. What are you flagging for this week's European fixtures? I am. A lovely little trip around Europe. We're going to Holland first. For Utrecht versus PSV, this is very, very simple. Both teams have an amazing record. 
at home and away of over 2.5. Utrecht with 8 out of 12. Final with 9 out of 12. The reverse fixture was 4-1 to PSV with a total of 5xG across the two teams. So nice and simple for this one. The potential bets here are over 2.5 if you want small odds around 1.7 or if you want to go a bit bigger over 2.75 closer to 1.9. Nice and simple. Overs bet. Utrecht versus PSV. Uh, anything in Europe, Germany, France for us? Yeah, now over to La Liga. This is an interesting game. And this was one or that Spain. I really... <laughs> Yeah, well, there, yeah. Well, we could go to Spain first if you want, or we could go to no, France. No, do, 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 to... definitely. What no, would you, you like? You know what? I'm, I'm going to give you um, one of those sort of, what are they called? Interrail cards. And you can decide the route of your journey around Europe, all right? So you're going to take us to Spain first. Uh, you've put me under pressure now because I'm trying to think what's more logical. And given that I live in Spain, I should really <laughs> Don't be. Bother. Don't should, yeah, bother. Yeah, I'm not going to bother, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to bother. Because someone will probably write, there is no train that goes, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go to Spain, where I live. So we're going to go Raul Vallecano against Sevilla. Now, Sevilla played West Ham tonight, as we've talked about. On a really bad run, lost six in a row in the league. And Sevilla have not lost in the league since the 28th of November when they lost to Real Madrid. Now, this is one where there will not be many goals. This is a massively unders game. The goal line is going to be 2.0. So definitely not really any value there. Um, Sevilla have the number one defensive record away from home with only 0.46 goals. And Raul Vallecano's defensive record at home is only 0.63 goals. So this is not going to be one for the ages. This is going to be a Sevilla special. But I was surprised, given the form of the two teams, that Sevilla to win are odds against at 5-4. to four, and Sevilla to win and both teams to score no, you could get a 12-5. to five. So this is a game where I think it will be nil-nil for a long time. Sevilla to edge ahead just purely because in that second spot in the league, challenging to stay close to Real Madrid and Real Vallecano on a terrible run. They can get over the line and I think that's great odds for such a top team, even though their form away from home hasn't been great. Next up. Next up on our little interrail journey, we are going to France. Liga, and we have the perennial strugglers, Mets, at home to Lons. Now, I picked this game because Mets have been there or thereabouts for relegation for a few seasons, struggling along. And it looks like this year the trap door is going to finally open and gobble them up. Joint bottom at the moment with Bordeaux. Lons, a very much rock and roll team up and down. Lots and lots of goals. Mets, one win in eight. Uh, the return fixture was a 4-1 win for Lons, and Mets have the worst defensive record at home in the league with 1.8 goals, um, and they have the worst XG at home as well with 0.72. They've won one game at home all season out of 13. Now, Lons can be a little bit hit and miss, but they have a lot of quality, far more than Mets for me. So I do think that even money on a Lons win is great odds. So that would be my, my bet in France. Our final journey is to one of my favourite countries in Europe, a league that I spend a lot of time on, and that's Italy. And two teams that I think we've never talked about on the show. Bottom of the league, Salernitana, against the great entertainers. They've now taken that title away from Atalanta, Sassuolo. Now, Salernitana lost 5-0 last weekend. Sassuolo won 4-1. And they've, they're just an amazing team to watch. If there's any coaches that watch this show or people that are really interested in tactics in football and interested in wanting to learn about positional play and, and how coaches teach that, 
Sassuolo are a great example of that. Uh, they're, they're just, they have a couple of really good young Italian players, Fratesi in midfield, Scamacca centre-forward, Raspadori in the 10, Domenico Berardi playing off the right, Traore playing off the left. And they're just a really, really good team. They build through the thirds, really aggressive, loads of combination play, great team to watch. Eight, uh, eight points behind sixth place in the Euros and Salonitana are rock bottom, 10 points from safety. Now, looking at the data, Sassuolo have the second best attacking outputs away from home in the league, almost two goals a game, and they do give up 1.6. They are very much just an open, expansive, let's go, which is why I love them. 12 out of 14 of their games have been over 2.5. And nine out of 14 of their games have been over 3.5, which which is amazing. Like We know that Italy, some, you know, it's had lots of goals this season, but even, even for Italy, that that's uh, amazing, nine out of 14. So for me, potential bets here, you could go a couple of different ways. Single on the overs and take over 3.0. If there's three goals, get your money back, likely to be more. Sassuolo, minus a half on the handicap, which for me is a straight 1-2x. I think that's way, way, way too good. Uh, or you could combine them. Go Sasson over 2.5 double or Sasson over 3.5 double. So you can have a little play around with it there, depending on how much you want to stake, you know, how much you want to win. But for me, Sass will go there nice and open, big pitch, and they should dominate that game. I'm going to keep you in Europe, though. You're, you're not allowed to leave the train quite yet because you've got to stay on there till midweek next week for the second half of the last 16 fixtures in the Champions League. Um and, and obviously, I think United versus Atletico is obviously the well, a very big game, isn't it, all to play for in that. Uh, what do you think of, of next week's Champions League fixtures? Well, I had a look at these, similar to what we talked about last week on the show, kind of talked about Bayern and, the, and, and how those games went. And I think the Lille versus Chelsea game is a really difficult one. As you mentioned earlier, uh, with what's happened to Abramovich today, I think it'll be one of those games that we just have to avoid. And I would recommend people to do the same thing. I mean... What, you know, what could be going on inside that club at the moment? Hmm. It's, it's, it's a really difficult one. And Thomas Tuchel talking about potentially going to Manchester United. And it's a really difficult one there. And with Chelsea being so good defensively, with a 2-0 win going away to Lille, the line is 2.5. The handicap is three quarters. I would say that will be a very tight game, but probably one to avoid because of the external, the external problems um, with Chelsea at the moment. Uh, United uh, Madrid. United Madrid. I I expect to be an open an open game. We talked about Atletico Madrid last week in our Betis preview. They went on to win both bets, which was brilliant. Then draw no bet and over two point five to continue their run of being a very high scoring and very open team away from home. And they've got to smell blood with United. They've got to want to go there. Maybe set up the same way that they did uh, in the first leg, going into that five at the back, but then breaking out into that. Into that three-five-two or three-four-one, a three-four-two-one. With Jao Felix trying to find those little pockets. The XG from that game, the first leg was terrible. It was only one point one across the, the two teams. But I do think that that game's going to have goals in because if United go ahead, they'll have to come out and they'll have to be expansive. And then I think Madrid have got enough to to get some goals on the counter attack there. So and the line is two point two five. So I'm going to go overs there between United and Atletico Madrid. Any other games to, to flag? Well, the Juve-Villarreal game, Juve are going pure prime Juve at the moment. 15 out of 17 league games under 2.5. They are just the under 2.5 kings. 2-0, 1-0, 2-0, 1-0, 2-0. It is just like that. Boom, boom. First leg, 1-1. The line is 2.25 here. The handicap is a half. 
it's a one one single goal game. Again, for me, it's a swerve. There's nothing there for me. In the final game, the Ajax Benfica 2-2 in the first leg. The handicap is one and a quarter. It's a game the bookies expect Ajax to win, which I do as well. The line is 3.5. The XG for the two teams was 3.1 in the first game with four goals. I expect there to be goals again here with them just chucking everything at it, both teams. So similar to last week, I would say over 3.5 in the Ajax Benfica game. Great work, as always, Dean. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for your thoughts um, across this week's fixtures and a couple of the fixtures in the Champions League next week. Um, top man, uh, you are in red-hot form. It's been an absolute treat listening to your thoughts and, and getting the, the first word on the weekend bets. And um, Now I'm I stuck hope, in Europe for a week, which is nice. I hope. I know you can come home. Well, well you, I don't, live in Spain. I, you live in Spain, I, so you don't need... I, I, well, yeah, I do live in Spain, but why would I want to come home, given that all I see is that... You know, it costs like £700 a month to put the electricity on and it's like 50 grand to fill up your car to drive from pump three to pump four. Now, now, can we end on a cheery note, please? I was just <laughs> about to give you a compliment. Um, <laughs> uh, top but no, I'll stay in can... Spain. You know, you've twisted my arm. I'll stay here. Maybe we'll my Euro you. ticket. Uh, you've been in red hot form. Keep it up. I hope you have plenty of winners this weekend. Good luck to our listeners, our viewers, our users. Don't forget, as I said at the end of every show, but betitright.com, you can get all the stats and info and data that Dean talks about and flags on the website. So head there, tell your mates about it. Like, subscribe this show. Comment on the kit room on our YouTube show. Comments below there. And um, we'll see you not next week, the week after. Cheltenham Festival means I'm sadly out of action next week, but I'll be back in a couple of weeks for more of the same on the Bet It Right show. Thanks, Dean. We'll see you next week. Thank Two you. Two weeks. Yeah, see you then. Top man.